0: This morning, if you want to turn your Bibles, we'll continue on with God's Word in Psalm 92. Got a couple of things while you're turning there in your Bibles. Um, Rocky Roach is, uh, you guys wanted to know, an, an, isn't that a great name? Don't you wish your name was Rocky Roach? I don't know. He uh, he fell off a ladder and we've been praying for him and he's back home now and on the mend from his surgeries and and all that, broken ribs and so on. And. Um, he's in an immobilizer, but if you can continue to lift him up in prayer, I know that they both, he and his wife would appreciate that. Um, so pray for Rocky if you would. And then um, what was the other thing I was going to bring up? The, the youth night is coming up. There's flyers out there for you to take. for. Uh, it's actually an afternoon sort of thing. They're going to be skating down in St. Joe's, so you can get the information from that flyer. And uh, I don't know if, if uh, Tanner wants us to mention it publicly or not. Nope, then I won't. Well, no, no, nothing bad happened. It's just we got a text that it's on the way. So last night went into labor. So pray for the McKinney's as they're having their first child here. And hopefully everything goes just fine. So we'll be praying for them also. All right. Psalm 92. The psalmist here uh, is singing praise. And um, obviously all songs that are in the Psalms are praise to God. But go through some Uh, difficulties sometimes. The psalmist sings a song about a trial that they're going through and God brings them through and uh, so on. But this one's just pure praise. And um, you get a lot of doctrine sometimes from the psalm, simple doctrine, which I appreciate, simple. Um, And so in this psalm, it's to be sung on the Sabbath day. It's a day of rest. It's a day of just praising and worshiping God. There's no difficulties or hardships necessarily to, to go over. Um, it just glorifies Him. And that's all praise and worship is, It's just to glorify God in your life. Um, We're one of the few creatures that have been given the ability to sing, and it is a gift. And it's something that God doesn't want us to hide under a bushel. He doesn't want us to keep that talent, if you remember the parable of the talents, to ourselves. It's something we spend, um, and to use those things. And some of us have great voices, some of us not so great voices. And and, and I think that comes from practice um, also. Uh, y- you can hear yourself. And, and I was out yesterday. Um, I don't know what I was doing. I guess I was going to the mailbox. It's, it's a long walk now to the mailbox. It didn't used to be so long. And uh, so I sang. Uh, I was just singing at the top of my lungs as loud as I could because no one can hear me and everybody's inside. And I could, I could belt it out and, and, and my voice could break and crack and not do what I wanted to do and no one, I wouldn't be embarrassed. So I do that on the way out there. And the song that I sang was one we sang this morning. Um, The hymn that we sang, it was just, I was like, oh, I like that. That's great. Um, I'm a very spirit-filled person, I guess. I just kind of knew what to sing. I'm kidding. But um, as goofy as I sounded, it wasn't to God, my father. You know, As bad as I am, and I wish I was better, it didn't bother him at all, Whether I was pitchy or not, or off, or a little flat, a little sharp, or all of the above, Um, it was a joyful noise to him. He knew my heart on the matter, and he, he. I think he can kind of correct all that stuff as it goes into his ears. You know, I like the fact that he has ears and he's listening to me, and he wants to hear that. He wants to hear that from us as well. Anyway, the psalmist writes this. He says in verse one, "It is good to give thanks to the Lord." And to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night on an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sounds. Um, For you, Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will triumph in the works of your hands. So he's thinking, this psalmist, about the things that God has done for him, and he can't help but thank God for it. Thank God for all the things. And, And... It doesn't take much for me to not be thankful, unfortunately. Um, I think the psalmist here is just thinking about the things he can be thankful for. Of course, there's always issues in our lives, our things, problems, trials, tribulations, but it's not everything. It's not all of my life. What can I give God thanks for? And to to dwell on those things. Even Jesus taught that, and Paul taught that, to, to dwell on those things that are lovely. There's plenty not to dwell on, but we do. You know, there's plenty of unlovely things that we'd rather not or shouldn't spend most of our mind on, but we do. Um, we have the purpose in our hearts to do these things, you know. But singing is voluntary. It's completely up to me whether I open my mouth, whether I let out the air from my lungs to go through my vocal cords in different shapes and tightnesses. And it's up to me to do that. He's not going to make me. He hasn't forced me to do it. These are voluntary things. And so he says it's good. It is a good thing to give thanks, not only for God, it's not only appropriate, and He's not only worthy, but it's good for you. and It's good for me to do these things. It helps me to hear my own praises to God. I think that's where prayer is so vital for us. It's important for me to pray, not because I'm informing God or bringing Him up to speed on my life. We know that. He knows the thoughts and the intents of our hearts before we even open our mouths, and yet, there's something about hearing myself pray, and to talk to Him, it helps me. I don't know how it does or why it does, but it does. I feel more at peace. I have more comfort um, when I'm studying God's Word. I pray all the time, and I had a little moment with God this morning. It was He was joking with me. It was the weirdest thing, and I'll explain in a minute here. I'm not. I don't like hear His voice. Don't you know? But there was this moment and it's cuz i was talking out loud to him i'm i'm i didn't get the psalm i don't get it sometimes i don't get my teaching i don't get god's word and so i'm going through it i'm going through it and i start saying it out loud to see if i can hear something that i can't get going on in my head you know and he just he made me laugh this morning so anyway and to sing praises to your name almost high to sing those praises is good not only to give thanks in word but also in song to declare your loving kindness, I think he wants us to declare that, to remember that, how loving and kind he is, because as we look around at the world, it's difficult to see that. It doesn't come from humanity naturally. The only kind of loving kindness I see from people is when it comes from God through them. you know. And so to, to declare that, when I see that goodness, um, when I met Roger last week and I saw the face of an angel like Paul saw in Stephen, um, and you see that coming off of a person and you know Um, I mean, I love Roger. Roger's a great guy, but it's because he has Christ that that radiates from him, you know. And so um, that loving kindness is good to talk about with with each other and and with the Lord to to dwell on those things in the morning. And then he he says in the night, which is poetic because he's trying to say it's 24 hours a day. Because if you're not talking about his loving kindness in the morning, you're talking about his faithfulness at night. He never, ever fails. Men fail. I fail people fail, um, even everything fails at one point or another because it's, at, it's in decay. Everything's in decay. Um, we know that everything was made perfect, but once sin entered the world, death entered the world, and we saw the decay begin to happen. Things died. Things didn't go like they were supposed to, um, which is one of the most important things you can understand about a perfect God. Doctrinally, he has to be perfect. If he's not, then he's in decay. Um, which means he'll eventually run out, which means eventually it'll fail and all creation falls apart. I mean, in everything you see and hear, all the spiritual things fall apart. God has to be perfect or he'll fail. And so that's one of those things. He's faithful. He's the one constant. Um, he's the one that'll never, ever change. And he, and he tries to declare that over and over in his word. I, I don't change. I can, I can move. I can do different things, but I don't change. His character doesn't change. Um, and he he wants us to declare that. It's important for us to know that because we don't have faithful things in our lives. We have things that are temporarily faithful. I mean, even marriage, as much as I love my wife, I, we're not married in heaven. The scriptures tell us that. Not, you're not in marriage and you're not given in marriage in heaven. That's all, it's all completed. It's a thing. It's a temporary moment for thing. Down here, we're made one flesh up there. Uh, we're two separate beings and, and enjoying the Lord. It's different. Even that faithfulness, being faithful to my wife, being faithful to, my, to, to your husband, would be temporary at, at best. Um, God never, ever changes. He is faithful always. His word always works. It's always true. And so the psalmist wants us to sing that. Verse 3 as he describes the instruments that we can use. And this is not a comprehensive list. We get into that that mistake, you know, of thinking, well, okay, so then God says we can. And that's not how we're supposed to read this. We don't read chapter th- or verse 3 and say, okay, so 10-stringed instruments, this is a 6-string, that's not going to work. And, you know, on a harp, uh, we need more strings on one of these things to make it a harp. So the bass has got to go, the guitar has got to go. That's not how he wants us to read that. These are some of the items you can use. Somebody just invented these things. Let's get a stick, stretch out some strands of wire between this end and that end, make them hover, press down and strum it, and it makes a neat sound. They just created ways to make noise. But then you can do it skillfully, right? So that includes drums that aren't of the devil, which some churches teach. Drums are not of the devil, okay? Okay. The scriptures tell us that Psalm 150 says with crashing cymbals. So in case it wasn't in verse 3, it's in Psalm 150 when we get there crashing cymbals. We're very biblical here. It's okay. You know, maybe they get too loud sometimes for some people, maybe the guitar gets too loud, and that's different. That's a volume issue. But the instruments invent the kazoo. You go for it, you know. I've heard praises in the children's ministry with kazoos and egg shakers. If you can praise the Lord with those two things, everything's open, you know, and available for you. On an instrument of 10 strings on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sounds, what he's getting at there, and that's, that's meant to build 10 strings, the lute, the harp, just, just make harmonious sounds, you know, unto the Lord, you know. Um, use whatever you've got. Use your hands, clap, snap, sing, you know. Um, you have an instrument with you constantly, no matter where you go, you can use it, and, and the psalmist here wants us to. Verse 5, O Lord, how great are your works! Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like grass, and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. That's a little dark, but he's going to compare us, the righteous, like trees later on, and the wicked are like grass. And he just wants us to make a distinction between the two. Yeah, the grass may spring up early and grow fast and be green quicker than an oak tree or or other things like that. But they're by no means uh, more durable at all. Um, They don't last long. They can go look at me I'm grass and then you die. But the oak tree is like, you know, I'm going to be around for a while. And so that's all he's trying to do is make that comparison. But this is where God was. uh, Well, he jabbed me this morning. Um, as I'm going through this psalm, I'm going through. We're going to do 93, 2 because it's really short, and I'm going through it. I said, God, I just I cannot get in the rhythm of this. I cannot figure out what you want. To, what, if, what are we What are we telling the people today? You know, and I'm going over and over and over again, reading it again. And then I read that out loud. Your thoughts are very deep. Senseless men do not know. And I could felt his elbow into my. Yeah, that's what I'm telling them. You know, <laughs> senseless man. And and he was. It was. It was with fun, but. Um I, I felt that way. It, I went through the gymnastics of some of the things I do mentally, and I think about eternity and I think about the size of the universe and it's like every time science or uh, astronomy discovers something new, it makes us even smaller than we were before. the knowledge gets even further away from our grasp. It's very difficult. I was reading about DNA, I you know sometimes I do that and and, and, and when strung out and this is old news um, but you, know, you, you take all the DNA that you have and if you were able to stretch it out from end to end you know, to the moon and the distance that it can go and it's like, it's like just when we think we've figured it out, cells or molecules or whatever, we look a little closer and we're like, oh wait, there's an entire universe there too and it's like oh, you almost wish you hadn't pulled back the curtain sometimes because you realize how much you don't know we got a new telescope. Oh, man, can we really see now? And everybody's like, oh, we're not even close. We weren't even close with our estimations. Oh, my goodness. Still can't see the end, you know. Uh, that makes you feel really small. And that's how I feel sometimes when I'm studying God's Word. I'm like, okay, you know, there's, there's the superficial, the, 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 the skin-deep stuff. And then you can go a little deeper. And then you go a little bit deeper, and by the time you're done, and you just look down the well, you're like, oh, my goodness. It's it's so much. And so then you fall back into a praise and worship mode, is what I do. That's how that's how I deal with it. As my, I'm going, okay, now I'm going to get this. Oh, man, there's so much more here, just in that one word, and you begin to go deeper and deeper and cross-reference and pull it in. Oh, my goodness, layer upon layer like an onion, you know, that's like the size of the earth, onion, you know unbelievable. God, you're just, and it just puts your hands up like a child sometimes. God, you're just a big, you're just really, really big. And you have so much knowledge. Now I know why it's going to take an eternity for us to stop saying when we look at you, holy, 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 because I've started looking into this and it is a very deep well. I can't see the bottom. I can't see my reflection. I have no idea how deep this goes. You know, it's incredible. It's incredible. And so I had a, just a nice moment with him there as he's joking. If you feel senseless or foolish? I, I do. I really do. Um, but I know you love me. Now in the context of the two verses here, he's not. He's talking about wicked men who, who don't even try. And that's a frustrating thing for me. Um, when, you're, when you're speaking with somebody who doesn't want to be alive, like J.C. was praying, and it just really... That he prayed that about how we're just dust and we're made alive and we give you credit. And, and until we're made alive, we're dead, you know. And when you're talking to people that are not believers in Jesus, they haven't submitted to him. And you're looking them in the eye and there's this vacancy there. And you're trying to talk about spiritual things with them and they're just kind of. I just want McDonald's. And it's very hard to talk to them about things. That's what he's talking about here. They're senseless people, they're foolish. They don't don't think beyond Monday or their immediate current fleshy need that they have right now. They don't think beyond that. It's hard for them. I, I can't focus, I'm hungry. What? What do you mean you can't focus? You're hungry. Work on it. You know, strive for that. I can't, I can't move any further because I need my coffee. That's a problem, you know. Uh, that's what those are fleshy needs that are paralyzing you spiritually, that shouldn't take place in a believer, you know? Um, And so that's who he's talking about. Senseless men don't know. Foolish don't understand this, that God's thoughts are very deep. It takes time uh, to to get them out of the well, basically. Um, Let me pull up my note here really quick. I don't have very many cross-references, so let me read these to you. It's in Proverbs 18.2. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. It's very true. A foolish person doesn't want to get understanding from God. They don't want to learn of him. They don't want to know what they don't know. They just want everybody to know what they do know. It's a very big problem in academia. They, be very careful about that. Just because you're smarter than others doesn't even come close to who God is and without that humility and that understanding that that's the source of all knowledge and wisdom this is not the comparison i mean congratulations you're smarter than an earthworm that doesn't make any difference who cares compared to him it's deep it's deep it's deep you know and to keep that humility a fool has no delight in understanding but in expressing his own heart proverbs 29 or 25 2 through 3 it is the glory of god to conceal a matter but the glory of kings is to search out a matter as the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. To look and to seek after. The, the one government that God authorizes, it seems like, is monarchy, which is which is difficult for us as, as Americans. We, we're not fans. But we're not fans of monarchy for a reason, because the monarchy is only as good as the person with the crown. And if that person's at fault or has problems or difficulties or has, they're just senseless, you know, it's hard to put yourself under that kind of rule and authority, you know, a benevolent dictator, you know, I, uh, I know that all communism's failed in the past, I know all dictatorships have failed, but I'll be a benevolent dictator to you, you know, kind of thing. I don't believe you, you know, and we just have that, we're pessimistic about those things. When it comes to God, though, because he can't have fault, this is where my doctrine comes into play, my understanding. He can't have fault or he would be in decay and he would fall off, He would fall off eventually fail. Since he doesn't have fault, he would be the perfect monarch and is. He's the king of kings. And so when he describes this and says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, it's the glory of kings to search it out. A king's heart is as deep as the earth is to heaven. It helps us to understand how much there is to learn from God. I'd like to keep it simple, John 3:16, but there's more, not, that, not more for salvation, don't get me wrong, but there's, there's more to understand and let it change, and that, that changes you. The more you understand about Scripture, the more you understand about God, the easier it is to walk with Him. I think half of the difficulties we have with staying true to God and not falling after the flesh is we don't understand Him fully, or we don't take the time to understand Him. We want something magical to happen to us. We want him to sprinkle us with some kind of holy dust so that we can just stop sinning. And that's not how it works. You search out the Lord. You search out the Lord. You search out scriptures. And as you get more understanding, as he gives it to you, thank goodness in pieces, because we couldn't handle a download at all. But he gives it to us as as we can take it and understand it. we, We draw closer to him and less dependent upon our discipline and more dependent upon him and understanding him that's 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 the weak link in the chain with my walk with Jesus is my discipline i'm as strong as i want to be until i don't want to be strong anymore until i'm tired of it and i'm done and i'm fatigued and i quit you know i'm not going to do it anymore well that's the breakdown it's never with him but as i know him and as i spend time with him and understand him i get stronger i do You're spiritually stronger the more you understand about him. And so the psalmist says that. Daniel chapter 2, verses 21 through 22. We love Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Boy, we want all the young men to be like these young men. These young men aren't any smarter than anybody else on the earth. The reason they're smart is because they've committed themselves to God. That's why Daniel can interpret dreams. That's why Daniel has knowledge and understanding. That's why Joseph was able to figure out how to get through these things, is because they had dependency upon the Lord. That's what makes people smarter, is their dependency upon God. And you can see it in our world today. As we move away from God, as we move away from his existence, or we try to uh, erase him from every corner of humanity, we're getting dumber. And we can see that. With the latest woke movement. I'm not gonna get into it today, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Not because not because I don't wanna understand or I just I've heard Christians argue against this wokeness, and I don't think they even understand what the wokeness people are trying to bring. They just are just, they're just they hit skin deep. So a man's a man and a woman's a woman, how stupid, and they walk away. That's not what they're saying. They're not talking about biology, and you need to go deeper than that to understand. Now, it is their responsibility to communicate that to us. If you're bringing some new kind of weird thing, you need to be able to communicate that. Once you get to their level and understand what they're trying to say, it's still dumb. It still doesn't work. They still can't identify. They can't defend. They can't articulate when challenged or asked to elaborate a little bit more on their theory or thoughts on those things, they still stumble and revert back to the very thing they're telling you you're doing wrong is biology. They revert back to biology. And you're like, wait, I thought we weren't supposed to talk about biology. I thought that didn't have anything to do with it. You know, and then they're stumped. We're not getting smarter. The further we are from God, we're becoming less intelligent. And the world's showing it. And when we draw closer to God and the world or society or a group of people is drawing closer to God, their intelligence level rises. Obviously, he's the source. It makes sense, you know. So that's what he's saying. Daniel chapter 2, verses 21 through 22. He says, and he changes the times and the season. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. God is the source. He's the one that brings it. Are you lacking wisdom? Ask. And he will abundantly pour into you the wisdom that you need. Ask. But you've got to be open and willing to know, I don't know. But I do know who does know. You have to ask the right person. Um, part of homeschooling in the 21st century is teaching how to search. you got to learn how to search. Google's fine, but if you don't know how to type in the correct words, you're going to get results that don't match up with what you're asking, and it will keep from you the very thing you were looking for, the actual Answer to the question. So, you have to learn how to search and ask the right questions, the right words, so that the right uh, search list comes up. You have to do that. Um, eventually, that's, hey, I don't know if anybody's been looking into the open AI, that's been the artificial intelligence. It's incredible. It's unbelievable what's happening. And it's going to replace, I mean, it's, it's Internet 2.0, it's going to replace it all. Um, it's incredible to watch and to see, but the knowledge that's there at our fingertips, at our disposal, if we'll ask the right question, doesn't even compare to what it's like to ask God. It doesn't even compare. And I wish we understood that as Christians the, the absolute um, well of source material that we have at our disposal wherever we go because it's a prayer away. I don't think we understand that. I can have all knowledge, all wisdom just by asking God. And I won't give it to me all at once, but I can get answers to my specific questions if I search right. God, just I need this. I don't know what to do here. Sometimes it's really basic stuff. You know, Um, Dwayne, I don't know if he's here or not. Dwayne was telling me, I. Trying to figure out the the water issue at our house, you know how to keep the the water at the in the in the middle tanks unfrozen, you know kind of thing. And I've got ideas, and I know that geothermal works. And how do I do that without burying the tank and having the stupid cows step into it and sleep in it and all that? That doesn't work. You can't do that. You can't just mound up dirt to it. That wouldn't be enough. And all. That. And out of nowhere at the men's breakfast, he says, "You know, I was I was I'd love to do his accent, but I don't want to offend him. He's got a strong Missouri accent, and I love it." He goes, "Well, what I did." was if, do you have an auger? I mean, I think I have an auger if I know what an auger is, you know, it's still kind of new. Uh, well, you hook it up to your tractor. I said, well, I definitely don't have a tractor, so I know that I don't have an auger. No, I do. I have, a, I have a hand auger. He says, you, you, you dig about a 12-inch hole about five to six feet deep, and you set your tank right on top of that, and that geothermal air will just come right up to that, and it'll keep it pretty good. You'll maybe have a crust on it. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, that's genius. I mean, that's really smart, Tanks covering the hole. No one's going to fall into it. I can see that. I'm like, that's a good source of information. Simple stuff like that, you know. But God can go so much deeper. I want to know how the mechanics of the cross work. I want to know why Jesus had to die on the cross. Why was it at that time? I want to know all those things. He hasn't shown me those things yet. I don't know why it was at that point in time. I don't know why, how the mechanics of it work. I just know we're to look at the cross and we get healed by it. Our sins are taken away. But how does one man dying for the sins of the world work? I don't understand that. But I'm asking, you know. And We have that source and we can ask him. That's all the psalmist is saying here. Search it out. You have to have the desire first though. A lot of people hear all that that I just said. And they're like, that sounds like a lot of work. Okay. Then verse six kind of applies. You could own that one then. As a senseless man doesn't know, and they don't want to know, and the foolish man don't have, they don't have understanding because they, they don't care that the thoughts are deep, or they just say they're too deep. My rope's not long enough, I can't pull it out." No, you've got to want it. How badly do you want your life straightened out? How much is that How important is that to you? Is it an hour's worth of study a week important? Is it 10 hours worth a week, you know, a week of study? Is it that important? How important is it to you? Is it once every three months Sunday? It's that important. I just touch up my spirituality once in a while. You know How important is it? Read the Word of God. It's going to fix your life. It does. It works. It's a prescription that has to be taken. has to be read and applied and used in your life. And your life gets straightened out. Um, and He wants you to take all of it. Verse 8. But you, Lord, are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, uh, for behold, your enemies shall perish. And all the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Um, That's part of his praise. Yeah, you want your enemies saved. Yes, you want their iniquities forgiven. But some people just choose not to have that. And anybody that's an enemy of God doesn't win in the end unless they become a friend of God. They have to change. Um, That's everybody. Um, all of his enemies are going to perish. All of them are going to be scattered, provided they stay in that condition, being enemies of God. And I would encourage you this morning, if you're an enemy of God, and of course, no one ever say that out loud at church. Well, I'm not an enemy of God. I'm here, aren't I? No, you buck him. You resist him. You push against him. You kick back against him. When he convicts you, you say, forget it. I'm not doing that. That's, an, that's a, you're an enemy. You're, you're, you're opposed to him, to his counsel, to his wisdom. Um, change. Accept that conviction that God brings to your heart and let him do that work in you because he's trying to fix, you know? So I said, I'm not going to the dentist because I don't want to hear what he has to say. I went to the dentist recently for been like three years or two years or something like that. I haven't been. I'm a good brusher. Um, but I, I felt something in the back, you know, there. And I said, I better go. I'm going to, you know. Anyway, so I went. Um, I told Anna, she, helped, she works out there, works at, I said, I don't want to come and get a lecture. I don't want lectures. That's not what I pay the dentist for. So you tell Jeremy or whoever's working on me, I don't want any lectures from you guys. I know what to do. And if I'm not doing it, it's because I don't want to do it. I'll be quiet and fix my teeth. You know, of course, that's arrogant, prideful, and stupid. Because they're the pros. And they're looking at your teeth because you can't see your teeth. They're saying, you need to floss better. I do. I get the string all the way down. That's not enough. Got to go on both sides of the teeth and all, and they explain to you. Some people come to God's word the same way. I'm coming to church, but I don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear this. Just no lectures. Don't tell me what's wrong. Just I want the dust, the dentist dust. You know how it works. You've got to apply it. Verse ten. But my horn, which is his authority, and uh, you have exalted like a wild ox. I've been anointed with fresh oil. My eyes also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. I have is what he's saying. Um, those who've come against me have failed and I've witnessed that and I'm excited for that. I'm praising God for that. And as I... And the idea of this is the psalmist has given his life over to the Lord. He's committed his way to God. He's watching God do all these things in his life, and he's praising God for it. That's the cycle. It's like, God, I commit my way to you. I commit my life to you. And all of a sudden, my horn's exalted. I've got a fresh anointing on my life. Um, my eyes have seen my enemies fall. And my ears have heard their demise. And, and I'm, I'm not harmed anymore. I'm not distracted. I'm, I'm winning. This is wonderful. Verse 12, the righteous, and this is where he compares us to the tree as opposed to the grass, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. And there is the psalmist declaring it again. He is perfect. He's faithful and perfect. Um, I like the fact that he says, even in his old age, you're going to still bear fruit, like a, like a fresh, young, whatever. You know, you're you're going to do it. You're bearing fruit. And that's a wonderful thing. Um, most people are put out to pasture, we say, when they get older. You now when it comes to being a Christian, the older saints, the ones that are still gracious and merciful, have not become hardened by this world. I do have to put that on there. They've kept uh, you know, pliable and soft and have applied the oil of the Holy Spirit to their lives symbolically. You know, It keeps them available and open to being used by God their whole lives. I want that in my life. And God's word here tells us it's possible. I can do that. I don't have to be old and crusty. I don't have to be crotchety. That's my biggest fear. Because I can hear it come out of my mouth sometimes. I'm an older parent, and I can see my younger kids. I've got a lot of married kids, and I've got grandkids. But I've got two at home still, right? And as, as they're talking to me, I can hear crotchetiness coming out of my mouth. You know, It's either too early to ask me that question or whatever. I'm not going to get on the trampoline with you. I'm this old, is what I would tell them. You know? I like, Come on. That's probably what your body needs. Why don't right? you get up and do some core work? You know, let's, let's get this going. It doesn't have to go into decay. Spiritually speaking, we can still bear fruit in our old age. In fact, better than ever before. More pure, more ripe, more ready for people. Understanding the purpose of it in your life. It's for others to glean from and to take from you. You can still produce fruit. Ten minutes. I'm doing 93. Ready? But the Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. So he starts off with what's God's, what he's wearing. You know? what he, what, the clothing that adorns our God is majesty. And that's that, that's that monarchy thing again. That's that regalness that we, you know, we're not used to. Um, the train of his robe fills the temple, you know um it, because it's so long it fills the temple because the longer the robe the the greater the man, so to speak is is the idea, and God is so great, and' so majestic, the train of his robe fills the temple, it just goes on and on and on and on. I thought, and you know don't hurt me, but Princess Diana's wedding. I don't know if anybody remembered watching that. That downward shot when she's walking down the aisle. I don't know if... The train of her veil. I mean, she would have had to... I've been leaning like this. There's so much taffeta all the way back. I mean, it must have been 20 feet, 30 feet, 40 feet long. I thought, it's really cool. I mean, it was really beautiful to watch, you know. And she's walking down. She's got this huge train. And I can't help but think of that moment. I mean, I know it's not a king thing, but... It's a more of a princess thing. But um, when you think about God and the size of his robe and, and, and the length of it, it's designed to give us that imagery of how plush and royal and purple and red and how beautiful and how, how worthy he is of that. That's what he clothes himself with majesty. He carries himself with dignity. I think we're losing that. I know that, I know that David says, I'll be even more undignified than this. But what he's talking about there—the the the being undignified was praising God in a in a flamboyant manner, you know, and that was undignified to a worldly person, his wife. Oh, that look at him! You know, she was all upset, and he's like, "You know what? Go away, Michael," and and dismissed her. That is dignity. That's godly dignity is to worship God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I. And, and to carry ourselves in this world with dignity, we're losing that. I see that more and more, especially on, on social media. A lot of dignity is lost. Um, and, and I'm guilty of it, too. I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger at all. You point your finger, you've got three pointing back at you for sure. But to stay dignified, to carry yourself in such a way. Um, I don't think we have to be stoic by any means. I don't, you know, we do not smile. We're Christians. You know, I don't want to do that. Um, But I do want to have dignity. I don't want to be just foolish for foolishness sake, unless I'm with my kids. All bets are off. Um, But to carry yourself in in a dignified way, God does. He carries himself with majesty. When he ties himself, when he he puts the belt on, it's with strength. Um, There is no defeating him. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Remember, the earth is his footstool. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. He's never had a beginning. God has never had a beginning. Time was created by Him. So figure that out in your mind. You want to go back to that verse 6 from the last you know, psalm. It, it, it's just such a waste of time. It makes you feel so foolish to sit there and try to think of a timelessness. <laughs> yeah. What? When did that start? Get it? Start. You can't have a start or an end. There's no way to verbalize it. I can't get it because we're in time. He just never has an ending or a beginning. I don't know how that works, but I appreciate it. I appreciate the psalmist being able to at least try. At least he says it. We've got a word for it. We don't know what it means, but we have a word for it. He's from everlasting. What? Even the word everlasting is, is, is a time indicator, you know? Amazing. That's who he is. The floods have lifted up, Lord, and I moves to water. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. I don't know why he switches to that imagery, except he's probably by the sea when he's writing this, is my guess. It's okay. I mean, we're still getting songs from God, and I think it has a lot to do with people just getting away. Maybe they're out in nature and they're looking at things. They see a bird, they see a tree, they see a forest, they see a waterfall, and they begin to write about the glories of God. That's normal. And he's probably by the water, is my guess. And you can see the crashing waves, maybe a storm's brewing. That's one of the things about the Galilean Sea. It's, a, it, it's down, and so there's hills pretty much on all the sides, most of it, except for the south end and, and all. Um, and, and, so, and it's really, really wide uh, for, for me. It, it, it looked wide for, for, a, for what it is. Um, but when a, when the wind comes through and when a storm comes up, it's like the perfect bowl that just so when the disciples were fearful in the boat, there's a reason they were fearful in the boat. Crazy waves, not like fifty foot ocean waves that we see or hundred foot ocean waves that you can you can look at online, which is crazy. Um, but there's some serious waves that can be developed on that. And if you're in a little fishing boat because they weren't, you know giant boats, they're paddlers, you know, kind of thing. That would be terrifying. And so as he's sitting on the shore, he's seeing these waves, and they're loud. He probably can't hear himself think. I don't know if you've ever been to the ocean when it's roaring, when it's raging. It's like, what? You can't hear yourself. We used to go to Dana Point. That was my favorite spot in California, was to go to Dana Point, um, only because of the pier that was there that would stick out, jetty out a little bit, not really a pier. It was a um, the rock structure that's out there. I guess maybe that's what they call it. And the waves would kind of catch that and then build as they came in. It was intense. And loud, and at night you could see that green glow, especially there, is beautiful. The algae that would, it was uh, um, bioluminescence—it was just glowing. There was amazing, but so loud you couldn't—you couldn't talk to people. I mean, you had to go clear away from the edge of the ocean, clear off the beach a little bit to even have a conversation. So you get the idea. He's hearing this and doing this. He's—he's he's louder than all of this, you know. You could hear him writing this down or screaming it. You know, you're louder than all these waves, God. Um, and that was pretty loud back then. And then finally, verse 5. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. So the three things he's wearing, majesty, strength, and holiness, the writer says. He wears holiness. It's beautiful. Holiness is beautiful. Um, I think we all admit that and know that. Humility is an act of holiness. It's beautiful to God. It's beautiful on God because he's Humble. Uh, And we can see that when you run into a humble person, there's beauty there. He adorns himself with those things. God calls us to that. How do we attain that holiness is my biggest difficulty. I I, I want it. I want more of it. (laughs) I covet holiness, uh, which is a little bit um, of a paradox, but I do. I want it. I want holiness. And that comes from, and this is what I would leave you with, um, it comes from knowing him. It comes from understanding the grace and the mercy that he's given us. I can memorize all 613 laws if I want to and try to keep every one of them, but that's not going to produce the same kind or quantity of holiness as understanding God's grace and his mercy in my life. That goodness and faithfulness of God causes me to love him, which causes me to act from a whole nother place in my heart. Other than duty and discipline, I now operate from love and I no longer do the things or want to do the things that are displeasing to him or that he died on the cross for. That's where holiness comes from. That is your greatest source for holiness or ability to reach it, attain it, is from knowing God's grace and mercy in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for this psalmist's desire to express what was on his heart the best he could. And uh, put it to song. And then he sang it, I'm sure, and wanted everybody else to sing it. And Lord, we have our own song to sing in our own lives, our own psalms that we could write about the things you've done for us, despite the situations and circumstances we might find ourselves in that are less appealing. There are certainly things to pray for and thank you for, God. Um, and so this morning we think about those things. We're putting those things first, not the ask, not the helps, but the, the gratitude. I, I, We're putting that first in our mind right now, and we're thanking you for our families. We're thanking you for our loved ones. We're thanking you for our health. Um, We're thanking you for the work that you're doing uh, through the lack of our health, maybe, in some cases. We thank you for your presence in our life. We thank you for your desire to bring us closer to you. And we thank you for placing that desire in us to draw closer to you, ourselves. And we thank you for that. So, God, be glorified. You're our king, and you're a king worthy of our praise and obedience. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the week.